Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning, everyone. Awesome. Uh, So good to see you today. The sun is shining. Thank God for that. Thank God. What was it, just like a month ago, a few weeks ago, that we were like freezing outside? Feels good that it's a lot nicer. I'm going to get my tan on soon. One day, hopefully. Um, If genetics let me, I don't know. Um, Let me ask you a question here. Do you remember, do you remember when you were kids and uh, you and your your friends or your siblings uh, thought you had the most brilliant idea ever? Do you remember that? You or your siblings or your friends thought you had the most brilliant idea ever. And so naturally, because of how clearly genius the idea was, uh, you made a plan that was meticulous and perfect, only to find it blow up in your face, potentially literally blow up in your face. Anyone ever had that before? For most of you who are not raising your hands, my guess is you actually still have the scars on you to prove it potentially why you're not raising your hands right now. Now, for me, this was the norm in our family in the Clark household. I say norm because it actually was so normal that we just shortened it and said norm, okay? Um, But it was so frequent in our family. I'm sure actually if my wife was here, thank God she's with the, the kids right now, but she would probably agree that even in my 30s now, not much has changed since when I was a little kid, maybe a little bit, maybe, I hope. But do you remember that brilliant idea going wrong and, and your parents would come up to you and say something like this? Wait, let me, let me just make the scene here. Your father would be pacing in front of you. Your mother would be at the door frame, just standing there with her head down, worried about what your father was going to do at the time, right? And she looks worried and panicked, and, and your father would come up to you, and he would be like, <clears throat> what were you thinking? Like, what? What? What were you thinking? Right? What were you thinking? And then they would say the most brutal thing ever. They'd go, now, was that really the wisest thing to do? And clearly, because you've got, like, soot on your face or stuff all over you, I'm not talking from experience, right? But you're thinking, well, obviously not. Apparently, this was not the wisest thing to do. It wasn't the wisest thing to, to do. And the funny thing about wisdom is when it comes to wisdom, we need to be so careful where we draw our wisdom from. And yet so often we can get wisdom in the worst places possible. Places like social media, we can get wisdom in fortune cookies Don't pretend like that's never happened where you've opened a fortune cookie and you're like, hmm, I wonder, right? 
We get it from fortune cookies or, or people we assume are wise. Or, or other times it's actually from uh, people we know who aren't wise, and yet for some reason we take their advice. We can try and get wisdom from the most unlikely of sources, knowing they don't have the best in mind. So what do we do? Because we need to be so careful about what wisdom we draw from today. And an indicator of that is found in that our words reveal the source of our wisdom. Our words reveal the source of our wisdom. That's your first point today. So for those of you who've got your Bibles, you've got your your Portico apps, please take those out. We're going to be talking about wisdom today. Our words reveal the source of our wisdom. James 3, 5 says, the tongue is a small thing that, that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Uh, I love this other translation. It says, it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongfully placed word out of your mouth can do that. And this gives us incredible insight into the power of our words and how when used incorrectly or even poorly, the smallest of comments can lead to the biggest of offenses. And it's all because our words have power. Our words have power. Usually when we think of people uh, or when we think of, of power, we think of something on a grander scale than ourselves. We might, uh, we think of governments or, or fast cars or, or weightlifters, you know, weightlifters who, can, who, who can't move their arms and they're constantly in this position as if like they're holding imaginary grocery bags or something like that. Um, we, we think of power like this and yet James says, hey, it's actually some of the smallest things that can cause the greatest amount of damage. I remember when I was a kid, I went to, to Lakeshore Camp. Anyone know Lakeshore Camp? Okay, yeah, I went to this camp called Lakeshore, and uh, I, I was a, a good Christian boy. We used to sneak out all the time, and we would uh, pass curfew, yeah, and we would have, like, security chasing us. We would set off, like, firecrackers and fireworks. I remember one year, uh, there was a lady, uh, there was a cottage that had all these cement deer that were in front of the lawn, and we, uh, we pick up the deer and we, we put it in the middle of the road, and she woke up and called the police because she thought a ghost had moved it. And um, this was my childhood, so when I say the norm, you just need to know it's the norm, okay? Um, I'm a good kid now, I promise. And kids, don't do that in the room, okay? Don't be like that. Um, but I remember we had this one friend named Brad. Anyone know Brad? Okay, yeah. We had this one friend named Brad, and he was that guy, and, and I'm talking about in junior high. He was that guy that it didn't make sense because uh, he was, he was a, a junior, and um, he, was about, I, I'm, he was about six five at that point, and about 240 pounds of pure muscle on muscle on muscle. We actually called him Tiny because, well, he, he just, it didn't make sense, right? He was so big, and yet he was our age. And I remember one day, um, w- you know, we always used to 
bring Brad wherever we went because uh, we'd be able to get into the, you know, the front of the line or, you know, we'd be able to do all these special things because everyone thought that Brad was the coolest because he looks so big and he looks so old and stuff like that. So everyone needs a Brad. Anyways, um, so we, we were sneaking out one day and you need to understand that Brad was like invincible. Like, you couldn't move, Brad. You, you couldn't even try. When there were games going on, you wanted to be on Brad's team because the dude was a tank, okay? And so anyways, we're, we're sneaking out, and I still remember it perfectly. We're running from security. We're running as fast as we can. And last minute, I see this clothesline. And so I duck under the clothesline and I keep running. And then I yell over to the guys. I'm like, come on this way. And Brad, his 250 pound frame is sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. And he doesn't see the clothesline. And he hits the clothesline. And I don't know what was on the line, but that guy flew. Like his, his feet went so high above his body. I actually think that Cirque du Soleil would call him. It was so impressive. And he must have gone like 10 feet in the air and just like shooting forward completely upside down, taken out by a clothesline of all things. A guy that literally in his junior set the record for Canada for most bench presses was at the time was about 500, 500 pounds and he broke the record and this guy was taken out by a clothesline, okay? And this is just an example to show you that sometimes the smallest things in our life can cause the most damage, It can cause the most potential greatness in our lives, but the smallest things can also promote the worst. It can can lead to the worst things possible. For many of us in the room, you've had defining moments in your life that were based on the words of another. Whether good or bad, true or false, these words have shaped you and made you into the person you are today. Why? Because words have power. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Your words have the power to build someone up and speak life into their circumstance or tear them down and speak death over them. Because everything we say runs the risk of offending someone and inevitably we face the consequences of our choice of words. Words have started wars. Words have ended wars. They've brought peace and prosperity or pain and persecution. And so your selection of words is so important as it reveals the source of wisdom you are drawing from, whether that is godly wisdom or it is human wisdom. Proverbs 10 says, the more talk, the less truth. The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Basically, people who are wise speak thoughtfully because they know that what they say has consequences. They have uh, consequences. While people who talk too much show their ignorance and get into trouble. 
And so given the nonstop use of words from our mouths and in social media, we run the risk of misusing words all the time. Have you ever thought to yourself as, as you're talking to someone, if I don't stop talking right now, I am going to put my foot in my mouth. Anyone ever got to that point where if I say another word, this is going downhill and going downhill fast. Maybe it was with a spouse, right? One lesson I learned as, as a married man was sometimes it's not just the words you say, but also how you say those words that count, right? Or maybe it was with a friend or, or a person you liked, right? You're going up to them for the first time and all that comes out is just, right? This long breath. Some of, some of you men are smiling because you're like, that was me, right? I was totally that guy. Our, our words matter, and, and what ends up happening? We typically end up putting our foot in our mouth, which is why it's so important to weigh out our words, or, or what I would suggest is be more silent so that we can refine the things we say so that they're full of love and godly wisdom. Because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we become the people James talks about in verse 9 and 10. James 3, 9, and 10 says that uh, with, their tongues, uh, with our tongues, we bless our God in heaven. And with the same tongue, we curse the very men he made, uh, men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. You see, the best thing that we can do with our words is to bless God. The worst thing we can do is curse those who are made in the image of God. When we do both, it actually, it's, it's actually contradictory speech and, and not how we're called to live. We as the church should be the most encouraging group of people ever. In fact, here's what we're going to do. I want you to think of something really positive in your mind. I want you to look to the person next to you, and I want you to give them one encouraging thing right now. Go ahead. Say something encouraging. If you want to say while you're encouraging that the pastor is doing a great job, that's accepted, okay? Yeah. We should be doing at least one encouraging word or something when we get together. The truth is, if we haven't said something encouraging to each other, when we gather here, we've actually done it wrong. We've done this whole thing wrong. If we walk in here and we're not greeted or we don't say hello to someone and greet someone and have a conversation, we've actually gathered wrong. We've done it wrong. Every Sunday, we should be getting together, and you should be walking away from this building saying, man, this is awesome. What a great place. I really like it here. I'm so encouraged. I'm so inspired. That needs to be the attitude that we have every day. So I hope that when we finish the, the message and, and the service today, that you would go around and find a few people and encourage them for the rest of the week. Why? Because we need it. We need it. We need each other. We need to make sure that we're being an example of what words rooted in love look like. 
We need to be an example of what encouragement looks like. We do. You know, in in recent months, um, I've been thinking a lot more about words. Uh, The the things I say, the things that uh, we hear, And I've come to realize that the words I expose my son to today will be the words that he uses to define tomorrow. The words that I expose my son to today will be the words that he uses to define tomorrow. And they will either be words that will build people up or tear them down. And I hope it's to build people up, not only for my sake, do I want to live that way that Christ has called us to live, but also for the sake of my son, for the sake of your sons and daughters, for the sake of of you. We need to be living this out. We need to you know, in my situation, I think I need to show my son what it's like to be a real man. Right? We need to show our kids what it's like to be a real man or a real woman and how they act, how they talk. We need to show them that, that it's, it's not just in faith and in actions, but in our words too. Shouldn't that be our responsibility today? As, as adults, as, as students, uh, as people of influence, as Christians, to be ones who speak with godly wisdom and to help lead others into a bright future. Isn't that our responsibility today? Matthew twelve thirty four says, For out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. So what we need to allow in our hearts are things that are full of love. Because whatever we allow in our heart is what will will come out of our heart and into our mouth. And what comes out of our mouth will eventually go into the ears of those who are looking to us for wisdom. And hopefully it will help them and not hinder them. You know, the, the words of wisdom we use have so much power. They have so much power that they can cause a lot of damage if we're not careful. It reminds me a story about a little boy who had a bad temper. You might know this story. His father gave him a bag of nails and told him that every time he lost his temper, to hammer a nail in the back fence. The first day, the boy had driven 37 nails into the fence. Then it gradually dwindled down, and he discovered it was much easier to hold his temper than to drive those nails into the fence. Finally, the day came when the boy didn't lose his temper at all. He told his father about it, and the father suggested that the boy now pull out the nails for each day that he was able to hold his temper. The days passed, and the young boy was finally able to tell his father that all the nails were gone. The father took his son by the hand and led him to the fence. He said, great job, son. But look at the holes in the fence now. The fence will never be the same. When you say those things in anger, they leave a scar just like this one. 
You can ask for forgiveness and even receive it. But no matter what you do for them from now on, the wound is still there. Because our words have power. Our words can scar. And so it's so important that we use godly wisdom in how we live our lives and act. Because human wisdom is fundamentally flawed. Human wisdom is fundamentally flawed. James 3 says, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. In other words, human wisdom lacks humility. It actually opposes godly wisdom entirely because it wants nothing more to ex- than to exclude God from the picture and focus on self. In other words, it capitalizes on personal gain. It is jealous, wrongfully ambitious, and selfish in nature. I remember I was talking to a student uh, once who was going through a really tough season in his life. And uh, at the time, there was this uh, popular saying, um, it was, you do you, right? You do you, which essentially means kind of like be true to yourself or don't worry about anyone else, just do you. And I was about to tell him this because I wanted to be the cool hip pastor who was saying these things. And just as I was about to tell him, I stopped myself. I stopped myself uh, from saying that because I realized do you? That's terrible advice. Doing him is what got him in, in, in this problem, in this place. In, in, in the, it's the reason why he got into so much trouble already. Because he was only concerned about himself. He was only focused on himself. He was just trying to do him. And it's the worst thing I could have given advice to. Because he wasn't caring about the well-being of others. He was just focusing on himself. You know, James 3, 6 says, it says this. It is a whole world of wickedness, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I love what the message uh, translation says. It says, by our speech, we can ruin the world, turning harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole whole world up in, in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. You see, this is, this is what Satan tries to do. Is Satan uses the tongue to divide people and put them against each other. He encourages us to, to live fast and die young or, or live every day like it's your last, which at, at first glance might sound okay, might sound all right. But in the grand scheme of things, it's terrible advice because I'd probably wake up in jail the next morning if I did that. If I used that kind of wisdom to, to every day live like it was my last. And yet so often our natural inclination would be towards human wisdom or, godly, or over godly wisdom. Because it's all about me not knowing that the small decisions... I make or the few words I say can destroy a relationship that took years to build and only seconds to destroy. And that's what the enemy seeks to do for each one of us is to deceive us, is to divide us and to destroy us. Human wisdom 
is flawed in that it consumes, it, 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 cons- it, it is consumed with bitter jealousy, with selfish ambition, earthly concerns and, and, and desires. It's, it's concerned about unspiritual thoughts and ideas, disorders of all kind. You know, um, we tell our children, we, we tell each other, you know, on, on a regular basis, we say, do as I say, not what I do. But truthfully, sometimes I wish they wouldn't listen because what I say can be just as bad as what I do, depending on the wisdom I'm drawing from. And just thinking about it now, human wisdom takes all of our energy away from being who God calls us to be. And it traps us into a lifestyle that's not sustainable or free. But godly wisdom is. In fact, godly wisdom is life-giving. It's life-giving. James 3, 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. I love what Bill Gothard puts it um, in it, he says this, that godly wisdom is seeing life through God's perspective. And so it starts with us living a holy life and getting along with each other. If you look at the passage again, it says that, that godly wisdom is pure, is, is peaceful, it's considerate of others, it's, it's submissive. And and I love this next part. The Bible says that godly wisdom is full of mercy. It's full of mercy. Another translation would say it's overflowing with mercy. And personally, I think James is actually really intentional uh, here by only applying a verb to this part of the verse. Because let's be honest, when you and I are offended, when we're put into a corner and we feel trapped, or we feel wronged. When I see others who should know better, I can be anything but full of mercy. I can be anything but overflowing with mercy. And this isn't the kind of wisdom God wants us to use. So it teaches us, godly wisdom teaches us to think before we speak and ask ourselves, Is what I'm about to say truthful? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Because you and I know that what we say and even what we don't say matters. Proverbs 4 says this, Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She, she will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say. And you will have a long life, a good life. I will teach you wis- uh, wisdom's way and lead you to straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. 
This is the type of wisdom that we need to be applying to our lives every day. This is the type of wisdom that we need to be seeking out. Godly wisdom as opposed to man's wisdom, which is wisdom that loves always. Wisdom that is peacemaking and ready to help others. And it only comes from time in God's presence. That type of wisdom only comes from time in God's presence. It's, it's, it's actually time that you and I today, it's time to pray. It's time to read our Bibles. It's time to live our, out, out our lives the way God uh, encourages us to live, the way that we would be able to thrive with godly wisdom as he reveals it to our souls and it overflows into our families and our communities wherever we go. That's the type of godly wisdom we need to have today. The type of godly wisdom that only comes in silence. When we brush aside everything that's going in our lives, and we're silent, listening. to what God has to say. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing each and every person here today. Lord, uh, your wisdom gives us life. If we were to look at all the mistakes we've made or the effects that human wisdom has played into our lives, maybe not from our own doing, but from the doing of others, we'd realize that what this world really needs is your wisdom, is your insight, is your direction. And so, Lord, I pray that um, in the silence, in the silence, Lord, that we would seek after truth, that we would seek after your wisdom, your guidance. Lord, we would look to you. And that our words, our actions, our lifestyle would reflect godly wisdom that it would be so attractive. It would be so attractive that, Lord, we would have opportunities to share that wisdom, inspire and encourage one another, not only just in this building, but in our neighborhoods, in our communities, at our workplaces. Lord, that you would give us the wisdom in in leading our businesses, in leading our our workplaces, in, in leading our families, in leading our lifestyles, Lord, wherever we find ourselves in the busyness or in, 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 in the silence, in the quiet, Father, that you would give us wisdom. Give us godly wisdom so that we can thrive in this life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.